Welcome, Chop Shop listeners, to another installment of our latest dispatches from the front lines of the apocalypse. As we were consulting the media tea leaves, we found what is undoubtedly yet another sign that proves we are indeed in the end times of this phase of history. And nothing confirms that. Like a May 25th, report from the New York City Health Commissioner warning New Yorkers of the dan- the growing danger of cannibal rats. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so supposedly cannibal because rats. the rat population has not been getting enough scraps and, you know, people dropping their fucking hot dogs and shit in the subway and what have you, the rats have turned on each other. And let me guess, the seagulls are going after the rats? Well, funny you mentioned that. <laughs> Because we have reports of that coming from Italy. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's not a good yeah, sign. This is like... I mean, that's pretty up there. I mean, first there was all that, like, that crazy shit in New Zealand proving that, you know, the world's insane of the guy, like, smashing up the cell towers, and then there's just, you know, the absolute madness that we've been seeing since mm-hmm. then. And now, you know, okay, cannibal rats. Okay. It's, like, so 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone was like, this is gonna be the worst year ever. There's even a podcast named that. But nobody really expected just how bad it was going to get. And yeah. I think we all just underestimated it. We absolutely promise we will get into this much more in the second half of our show. But in the middle of America having a really normal one, there were a lot of other things that exploded in the world first. Um... But before we get into that, uh, some introductions seem to be in order. As always, I am Dr. Spider. I'm Ms. Silver. And I am the Death, writer of Pale Horse. Who we are honored to have joining our show. <laughs> it's an honor to be here. <laughs> it's always it's always good to it's always ah, good to get the friend of the show. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, business is booming for me, yeah. so I figured that hey, if everyone's starting a podcast, you know, why shouldn't Death be on a podcast? Ah, and in case y'all are wondering where Saint Helen is, um, Sissimans are fighting spam. Apparently. Close enough. Well, I mean, she is fighting police, so <laughs> close enough. Support your local podcast militia. I mean, it's an important duty in this yep. time. <laughs> We're all Antifa. 
So get out there. Can, can we put that on like a Richard Dawkins meme? It would be beautiful. I'm sure that could be done. <laughs> like if someone could do that, that would be like absolutely amazing. We'll totally retweet it. Ooh. So <sighs> we get so should we run along and talk about what my fellow horsemen are doing through this great and wonderful. Oh yeah. Movie? So to kick it off, we have of course the White Rider, <laughs> the conquering COVID that refuses to stay out of the news and refuses to keep quiet. Uh, this week, we oh, already dear. have, uh, as reported in the Huffington Post, Lassen County, California, which was one of the first counties in California to reopen, is now closing again because they had a spike in COVID cases. Surprising no one. <laughs> I'm uh, so shocked and appalled. <laughs> Who would do this? Who would deliver delicious treats and dead bodies to my door? I didn't get to do anything yet. Yeah. And it's, this is, like, health officials have already been saying, you know, we're reopening too fast. This is too much too quick. This is going to make more people die. What are you doing? And and this is, like, a county of, like, 30,000 people. So, you know, they have, like, one hospital bed or something. Oh, oh God. So, this is, yeah. And, and it's not just there. It's also, like, we're seeing, like, Cuomo standing up going that, he, that New York City will be fine to reopen by, New, by June 8th. And fucking Kaiser Newsom, like we said last week, that's not a term of endearment, said the film industry is good to go oh yes <laughs> as long as they adhere to state guidelines okay but my question here is, is like how is that even going to be possible because you know we're, we're talking about the unions involved in the film industry like they've been one of the stronger unions to like last like from like earlier before in the 20th century like they fucking survived like i imagine we're going to see major opposition oh, yeah. from like the unions in the film industry to working again because yeah I mean sure they could get money if they start working again but it's unsafe condition. I mean I guess they're just hoping that like Queeby um, takes off and they don't have to. Can you say that word? You know. Ah, Queeby, it's this um. It's that fucking uh, ten-minute short film thing, um, which they do because it lets them get what, around what union kind of rules. Filmmaker did that. Yeah. So those guys are gonna be I mean, this reopening is also because, like, immediately after Governor Kemp went, I will totally put my entire state in the fucking wicker man. The Georgia film industry started like kicking up, so I bet like people in Hollywood are like, dude get fucking moving or we're moving to georgia and you can suck wind i mean never mind that you know all the support shops and everything else are here whatever i mean do you mm -hmm. keep in mind that there is there has been a thriving black film industry within atlanta georgia oh yeah and there's lots of other productions that have moved there like our good friends at adult swim um who we have totally not shamelessly ripped on before. Um, 
That reminds me, I, I invited them to a party, but they never called us back. Well, you know, it's the same reason why they're not going to allow another Death Clock tour. But, yeah. So this could be stupid dick-waving, because we haven't had enough stupid dick-waving in this year so far. It didn't. It's not like it didn't, you know, turn out badly for the oil industry or something. It's also that we got this really, like... That we've got this happening in a way that's directly going to put people in contact with COVID is going to cause new outbreaks. This is just going to fucking kill people. This is going. This is not going to paper over that fundamentally the economy is shit because we have a really fragile fucking economy to begin with. And now people are like, uh, spend or death. Yeah, and it's the sort of financial ideology that has encapsulated the system. No matter what it do, it can't escape, you know, these few simple words is that protein printer has to go burn. Like, this little protein, well, this little virus is going to spread and spread and spread. It doesn't matter how much ideology you throw at it. It's not going to go into the, gar- gar- into the garbage of ideology. Sorry, Zizak. Like, we have virus going burn. Yeah. yeah. And... None of the reopening states have actually shown economic rebounds anyway. So, you know, this whole notion of that, oh, we'll just turn off the lockdowns and everything will be fine. Like, it's fucking Disneyland is really, like, it's beyond, like, it face-planted with reality, like, weeks ago. And now it's just stinking up the place. It's utter fantasy. Complete utter fantasy. So, that... And in, um, hmm? what were you saying, Miss Silver? Oh, I was, I was gonna mention that um, uh, Trump has decided to say oh, fuck yeah. the WHO. It's Cause run by that- China now, which is entirely so his we fault. We have a self-fulfilling prophecy here. I, I guess where Trump basically says fuck the WHO and cuts off funding, and the PRC has basically promised to give the WHO twice the level of funding that they got from the US before. Yeah. Well, I guess this proves beyond all doubt which, like, eldritch abomination is behind Donald Trump and the Republican Party, and it's the plague Father Nurgle. Yeah, and the thing is, I wonder with like him, basic him and his administration basically saying "fuck you" to an international organization like the World Health Organization. It makes me wonder how long until we we see the Trump administration do that to another uh, international organization like, let's say, the IMF, because with the way that the U.S. economy is going. Well, sooner or later, the IMF is going to start to panic about the dollar. Assuming it hasn't already. Like, someone somewhere has to be losing their shit over this. And as well as that, like, especially because our, as we get from our good friend, the Red Horseman of War, Trump decided to do, to, like, do the stupid. To just absolutely Roy Jenkins- 
the economy in the most spectacular way possible. Oh, yeah. I support our president. Yeah. So, yeah, for those who missed it, um, Trump gave a presser, a press conference, on, on Friday, May 29th, which he was 45 minutes late to, but, you know, that's, like, kind of normal with him at this point. Like, yeah, uh, one could only imagine what was happening and how much crying and quaaludes were in the equation. But, you know. Don't forget the piles of the oh, yeah. in here. I'm sure that there are piles and piles of this. Oh, totally. Like. Man's basically <laughs> running off it at this point. Oh, I, I would not be surprised if he has, like, a little fucking cocaine dispenser that is, like, perfectly set up to, like, drop a line <laughs> without even needing to, like, go to the effort of, like, shaping it or anything right on his special little cocaine plate. <laughs> My, my theory is he has a shaker, and, and you know how he has this obsession with McDonald's? Every time he gets McDonald's, he basically just sprinkles it up, he opens up his burger, he sprinkles the cocaine on his meat, and then he eats it. I mean, who, who says that Trump can't hmm. like that? Oh, totally. <laughs> it just has to be, you know, Colombian snow. So, I mean, yeah. So, leaving aside, you know, whatever cocktail Trump and Larry Kudlow are on this week, he then comes out and said a number of stupid things. He, like, did the whole thing of fuck the World Health Organization, because, hey, I will be the president who single-handedly kills the American Empire by totally unnecessary suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I mean, we were declining before. But it could have been managed. Like, I mean, you could say the entire Obama presidency was figuring out how to set up a soft landing where the U.S. is at least, like, you know, first among equals type thing. Um, Instead of, you know, Trump then stepping up and saying, yeah, I'm totally going to escalate this trade war with China. Fuck China. The Wuhan virus is their fault. Um, Actually, you know what? Instead of trying to, like, paraphrase his shit, just, you know, crank bot, run the clip. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Thank you. I'm here today to talk about our relationship with China and several new measures to protect American security and prosperity. China's pattern of misconduct is well known. For decades, they've ripped off the United States like no one has ever done before. Hundreds of billions of dollars a year were lost dealing with China, especially over the years during the prior administration. China raided our factories, offshored our jobs, gutted our industries, stole our intellectual property, and violated their commitments under the World Trade Organization. To make matters worse, they are considered a developing nation getting all sorts of benefits that others, including the United States, are not entitled to. But I have never solely blamed China for this. They were able to get away with the theft like no one was able to get away with before because of past politicians and, frankly, past presidents. But unlike those who came before, my administration negotiated and fought for what was right. It's called fair and reciprocal treatment. 
China has also unlawfully claimed territory in the Pacific Ocean, threatening freedom of navigation and international trade. And they broke their word to the world on ensuring the autonomy of Hong Kong. The United States wants an open and constructive relationship with China, but achieving that relationship requires us to vigorously defend our national interests. The Chinese government has continually violated its promises to us and so many other nations. These plain facts cannot be overlooked or swept aside. The world is now suffering as a result of the malfeasance of the Chinese government. China's cover-up of the Wuhan virus allowed the disease to spread all over the world, instigating a global pandemic that has cost more than 100,000 American lives and over a million lives worldwide. Chinese officials ignored their reporting obligations to the World Health Organization and pressured the World Health Organization to mislead the world when the virus was first discovered by Chinese authorities. Countless lives have been taken and profound economic hardship has been inflicted all around the globe. Yeah. So we're having a normal time. A very, very normal And this time. is shit that is going to, like... I mean, fucking Machiavelli said this 500 fucking years ago. If you have to hurt somebody, you either nail them so fucking hard they're never going to walk it off, or you just, like, slap them and do something insignificant so that they'll just forgive it and walk away. Like, you don't do this stupid thing of it's enough to hurt, but not enough to actually do anything. Never deal yeah. small harm to your enemies. <clears throat> and it's like, you know, there's... Like, there, oh, there's some other stuff in there. They're basically trying to delegitimize uh, Hong Kong's autonomy. Um, which the yeah. CPC was going to do anyway. I mean, it's basically what they already but... wanted. I mean, I imagine the PRC right now, I mean, they are frustrated that Trump is escalating the trade war, but I, I do imagine they, they're probably just being like, oh no, Trump has let us have Hong Kong. This is so bad. I'm so shocked and appalled. Yeah. I've just been so hurt. Like, President Xi would be, President Xi? Yeah, President Xi would be very, very but happy I wouldn't be surprised right that they're that. trying to figure out how to fake him into giving them yeah. one. <laughs> oh god I mean if the US like is in the civil war the China getting the Taiwan is yeah. an inevitable possibility I'm just sort of a mad and thus Taiwan's condemned to yeah. fucking genius and, and to think like this basically like the signal that the Trump administration like let off by doing what they did to Hong Kong Revoking the special mm -hmm. permissions and trade agreements that they had before? Like, what signal is this sent to Taiwan? Taiwan now knows that the U.S. administration is perfectly ha happy to throw them And the worst the part is, all of Trump's people were spinning this as some kind of, like, big, bold, he is no longer fucking around, and it's like, this mostly hurts Hong Kong and the United States. 
like, ch- like, ch- yeah, like, yeah. It, the, I mean, the thing with Taiwan is that the recent, uh, the recent moves that China has been making towards Hong Kong have basically made, um, any sort of one country two systems offer. It's basically taken that off the table. Is the thing because now they have they have proof that basically China will go back on their word. And in any case, it's not even like there's all that much support for reintegration among the younger generation. Like Taiwanese nationalism is now a thing, as in like a separate. A separate state with no, um, you know, claim on China. This is complicated, though, because if you look at the Taiwanese military, there is a rather strong amount of dengue among the Taiwanese military that would likely go for integration if they could get it. Yeah, I'm just saying that... China digesting their um, conquest well, they will me- be um, probably well, they much more to. difficult they than they anticipate. Go, so the U.S. Oh, doesn't yeah. give a shit about you anymore. You're going to comply with these new economic treaties. Like, I think, I think in the near term, China would be perfectly yeah. fine with just going, you know what, you guys are an economic satellite now, and you're going to deal with it. Yeah. Okay, so we... I mean, they kind of already are. That's the thing. So we talked about the implications on Hong Kong, but we should talk about the implications of the trade war on the U.S. For example, the the U.S. companies have a lot of manufacturing capital within the PRC, and if Trump continues to escalate this trade war, it's only a matter of time before... President Xi presses the button of it's time to seize this American capital in the PRC. This is going well, I mean, the biggest thing with this is the time this is Smoot-Hawley 2. This is, we are going to do exactly the thing that all, it doesn't matter what school of thought you are, if you look at all economic historians and all economic analysis of the causes of the Great Depression, everybody agrees the Smoot-Hawley tariff took what was already a crisis and turned it into a catastrophe. And that was a tariff that said, we're going to jack up import rates that was started by the United States and then the European powers responded in kind and completely choked out international trade three years into the Great Depression. Like, guaranteeing that another avenue of generating wealth and trade and all that stuff was gone so uh, doing this now when the united states has managed to hit the highest levels of unemployment seen in the great depression which took four years to happen in less than three months is just the most unbelievable economic stupidity imaginable and the fucking, and for this has to be said, this is absolutely something that needs to be on the record. This was partly because the fucking shitlib centrist Democrats passed a bill through the House approving sanction against high level Chinese officials. 
So this is bipartisan stupidity. This isn't Donald Trump and the Republicans are uniquely dumb. This is both wings of capital when I'm going to Leroy Jenkins that. Well, look at this. You have unity in this time of both the death cultists and the suicide cultists. Isn't that a miracle? Such unity. Such wonder. (laughs) (laughs) I guess... And not to mention, there's like the saber rattling that's going on uh, between the U.S. and the PRC is the military in no way has the capacity to engage in military actions with China. If if the Trump administration continues to escalate what they are escalating, like they've, the Navy has run uh, basically role playing scenarios where they were fighting where they would fight China in the South China Sea. And every single time, they lost them. And the time they didn't lose them, they basically had to rip the scenario in their favor. And, that doesn't, and that's just on its own for the Navy. If you talk about how much is manufactured in China for the U.S. American military, if we, if we continue to saber rattle, if we get into a proxy war, let's say just a hot war in general, like... That, mm-hmm. that capacity that funds the grift death machine, which is the U.S. military, basically yeah. cuts off. Like, the Trump administration at, you know, uh, well, with, like, the chuds on one side and the shitlibs on the other, they're heading right into the dick it, grinder, head first. Yeah, at this point, Just it's like everything. everybody in Washington, D.C. has decided that gangbanging a light socket was a good idea. It makes, yeah. It, it's not like yeah, you yeah. The oil and like even if it doesn't escalate to a military conflict, which will probably go horribly for the United States anyway, the trade conflict is one that we already know from the first like three years of Trump's dumbass trade war with China is one that China will win. Trump has started his stupid ass trade war shit with China, and he's turned around, and China has turned around and raked their claws through American agriculture while taking Trump's bullshit on the chin and going, right, so you want another free shot there, champ? Like, it's <laughs> been totally, this has been totally yeah. one-sided, and threatening Chinese finance, like, that's going the way the sanctions do. That's going to get the CCP to stand up and pay attention. But they have demonstrated that while Trump was busy, like, pound, while, like, sorry, while the United States was busy, like, pounding down protein shakes and, like, gross, like, chalk powder drinks and whatever the fuck else to get buff, China's been doing their calisthenics and working out and actually can go 12 rounds. We have the virgin U.S. versus the Chad. This is a trade war that, like, I mean, China will not, I don't think China wants a trade war, but if it actually happens, they have much, they are far more ready to actually fight it and possibly win it. Like They could tank it easily. It's another suicide move that the U.S. is throwing itself into the It's the light socket gangbang. Oh god. Oh dear god. Yeah. 
so, Miss Silver, uh, so tell us about, you know, small towns having a normal time. Uh, what what saith the black horseman with the scales? <laughs> oh, oh, fuck. Ah. <laughs> uh, 37 pounds <laughs> per Um, serious. So, small towns, yeah, they're having an extremely normal one. The, um, municipal lending facility that the Federal Reserve set up is only usable by metros with, like, 500,000 people or more, which is not a lot. Um, I mean, it's a lot of people. It's but that doesn't describe, like, most communities that got hit by this shit. Um, we're talking about, you know, events getting wiped out that provided, like, you know, a quarter or half of, like, the entire city budget for small towns. Um, we're talking about the, you know, frankly, lackluster... <laughs> Um, response to um, the Midland. Um, yeah. It's, it's fucked. It's so fucked. Um, I, I don't really know what to say about it. It's, it's fucking terrible. We'll, we'll have a link for you in for the uh, show really description. But, um, it's utter fuck. It's it's oh, an incredible yeah. piece. But it's utterly horrifying is that like you already had small towns were basically mostly excluded from capital and now you have Wall Street that basically says, yeah. Fuck you and die. And unfortunately that's what we're gonna see. We're gonna see small towns collapsing and this I grew up in a small town for eleven years. Like for all for all the issues that I've had there, I would never wish that on a place on a small town that I grew up in. I yeah, this is gonna... This will make everything worse. This is going... These are already communities that are, as we kind of implied earlier, do not have the public health systems they need to be able to cope with COVID, period. And because capital pervades everything... All the revenue structures of everything below the money printer at the federal level in the United States is built around things like sales taxes and consumption taxes and property taxes and basically marketized shit that if the economy eats shit, then governments eat shit. It really doesn't help that the pandemics have, like I said, they've canceled a lot of, like, the small town festival events, um, which make up, like, you know, a quarter, a half of revenue in some places. They talk about it a bit, but it's, like, when your budget, when, like, half of your budget is, like, you know... Hassling black people and paying for <sighs> lawsuits that come from hassling black people. Yeah. 
I mean, not all towns engage in that. If you're... Well, if they don't have any black people, no, If you don't needed. have, like... I mean, if you don't have, like, you know, the cop, um... Uh, that sort of cop grift, for whatever reason, you have to f- fall back on, you know, things like tourism. And, um... Yeah, coronavirus kind of killed all those large like, gatherings. These are like, at this point, we're talking a lot of these places are single industry towns, and that single industry is usually tourism. Like, they've replaced the yeah. factory with the hotel. And... There's a small town and it's in like, California, in Southern California, called Julia, and that I didn't grow up in, but I visited a lot, like, when I was younger, and a few times as an adult, and this town is basically dependent on tourism, and it has some industries, yeah. but with the, basically, the utter collapse of tourism that we've seen in, like, these last few months, you know, I worry about my friends there, like, the, their entire lives are there, it's Don't they make town, that, like, really cool bread? So terrified. Like, and that yeah. amazing cider? Oh no 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 not um not not Julian um as much as Julian has great apple pie and apple cider oh I'm yeah yeah about, uh, Iowa. yeah that place is like a one stop tourism shop yeah their entire economy is so dependent on tourism and yeah they do have industry and they do have agriculture there but. You know, I'm doubtful that it's it's going to be able to make up for just the fire hose of tourism. That this and, and there's even like examples in like I and this comes up in the ProPublica article from places like Arkansas and all that, where like public services have degraded to the point that the town is asking the Arkansas Baptist Convention to do basic social services. Which is like, I mean, this is a complete collapse of the government if they're doing that. Like, this is not small town or dying. This is a small town instead, and yeah. corpses. And this is like, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know, if shit goes completely civil war, that places that are being bailed out by especially like far right crazy ass, like I will shove this Bible down your throat and out your ass again churches are the ones in charge that shit's gonna get kind of ugly yeah I mean, yeah this is where we're gonna see the neo-fascist like christian dominationists like having their moments if we do get into a civil war and increasingly the question doesn't seem like if but it seems like when and oh boy yeah. we're having a normal one right of now of course before we get to that yeah. What do you bring? The specter <laughs> hangs over this pod. Oh, guys. What do we oh, hear dear from the guy. Okay, so... Sorry, what do we hear from the rider of the pale horse? So... <laughs> oh, so... For this demonstration today, for, for my class project, I have brought to you a literal corporate zombie... Occidental Petroleum. Dear God, this con- this this oil company is incredibly fucking evil. They've been so involved in so many natural di- in so many like disasters and spills 
and having been like sued up up to their eyeballs. Okay, so to give mm-hmm. you some examples for Occidental uh, Petroleum and their fucking evilness, uh, they basically uh, in Colu- let's see, uh, uh, in 1998 in Cano Limon, uh, Hamlet in Santo Domingo, Colombia, because their fucking militia grew, uh, their air scan basically had bad intelligence. They had the Colombian Air Force bomb the hamlet of Santo Domingo in Colombia. And, you know, in, and then also in Colombia, for from 1992 to 2001, they were trying to drill for oil in the territory of the Uwa people in northeast Colombia. And there was heavy resistance from the locals, and it basically, for years and years, between shareholder resolutions, legal battles, protests, and a failed test wall, the company abandoned the project. Um, and then, in Pennsylvania, in Petrolia, they had an accidental spill of oleum, which is a chemical mixture of sulfuric acid and sulfur trioxide. And this accident caused contamination of the ventilation system and a cloud of toxic gas in the sky and forced the evacuation of over 2,000 fucking residents of the area for the day. Not to mention, they literally had a toxic pit called Love Canal that that they filled the brink with horrific poisonous chemicals. And eventually... Uh, Why? Love Canal was their shit? These guys are Yeah, like, Love Canal is their shit. This is Captain Planet shit. This is... Yeah, th- this, this is very like Captain your Planet usual villain. level of corporate evil of okay, there's a way that someone could like justify this in the name of profit. This is I am sitting here because fuck Captain Planet. <laughs> yep. And so for people who weren't uh, familiar with the Love Canal stuff, uh, after they basically filled the site with horrific amounts of chemicals, um the site was filled to capacity and closed off, and the land was leased to a school board in 1953. And what ended up happening was the school board in Love Canal built a school there. And it wasn't until 1978 where residents became concerned because there were incredible amounts of health issues happening in this area, including like cancer and birth defects. It was a huge fucking scandal at the time that fucking President Jimmy Carter declared a federal emergency. And the company had to pay $129 million in restitution and relocate the residents. Like, yeah, we are talking about a fucking Captain Planet villain company here. And that's not to mention that this company had a lot of shady connections connections with Libya back when Gaddafi was And you know, for the record, Gaddafi was kind of awful. By any standard, he was an asshole. Yeah, so so there's three main areas that Occidental Petroleum is involved in in the U.S., in the entire world. You have the U.S., you have Colombia. Colombia, they don't do much. It's only 3% of oil that they get from there. They mainly get their oil between the U.S. and the Middle East, but 
one issue if we talk about Occidental Petroleum as a company is that they've been slow declining for years. They've been falling apart. And one thing that and they recently that acquired and I have no fucking idea why they would do this, considering their financials are utter fucking shit. But back in nineteen in twenty nineteen they basically acquired this company called Anadarko Petroleum, another oil, an oil company that was involved with the disaster in in the Caribbean with the BP oil spill. So we're having a time. This is like we're talking like all the assholes in the fossil fuel industry convention. Because guess what? Al Gore's family is fucking friends with the former CEO of Occidental Petroleum. The, the former CEO, Armin Hammer, who was a longtime friend of former U.S. Senator Albert Gore Sr. And Gore was a member of the board of directors Didn't of the Didn't they go all in on fracking? Like, like keep it, everything? Yeah, like, Occidental Petroleum <laughs> went, went all into, into fracking. So, we're having a normal one here. But to get into the financials of of Occidental Petroleum and why they're basically a fucking zombie that's been shedding part for years and years, is right now they are loaded to the eyeballs with debt. Debt they have no capacity to be able to pay. But and I'm not kidding you when they when I say this is they basically uh, reduced dividends per share to one penny, literally one fucking penny, this is a company that is falling apart. This company is a zombie that is dying. We're talking about, like, in 28 days later, after, you know, the zombies have finally, like, mostly fallen apart and are just slowly moving around and they're being shot at. That is what Occidental Petroleum is right now. They're they're not having a normal <laughs> one. They're having a dying yeah, one. Like- Say you're at a one cent dividend is like, fuck it. Forget Depeche Mode. This is Nine Inch Nails time. This is Trent Reznor when he was on heroin time. You're drawing the bath. You're getting out the records. You're snapping them in half. Maybe you've got your favorite scented candles because you're done. I just don't have enough work for this. I don't know how this company has been alive for so long because they've been falling apart. I keep trying, me, as dead, I keep trying to collect this fucking company, and they don't want to come through the fucking door. But I think this time around, I think they might finally If, come if you had the your bingo door. marker on Occidental, you got it. You fucking got it. <laughs> yep. and, and they're far from the only oil company that's collapsing. They're just the one that's in the worst state so they're the canary in the coal mine like the reasons why they're falling apart are the same reasons why exxon is sweating bullets and the rest of the basically if you're an oil company that's not owned by a government you're like shitting out pyramids and wondering if your digestive tract is going to survive this episode and (laughs) So, can we oh, talk about no. Princess Going Bird? Oh, yeah. More? Didn't it run out of ink? It ran out of ink. They've only used about... Uh, 
and, and we're going to we're including a link to this had, because we want you to know we are not making this up the federal reserve really did just run out of ink and the thing is that i just baffles me entirely that number must go up is you've had like markets that in respo- response to like the Fed and the Treasury, uh, tra- like bailing them out, have been so happy and optimistic. But when you look at the numbers, well, like, you the it's hype- not a pretty picture. Like, this is a, a literal roadrunner and coyote situation where the coyote has just run off the cliff and hasn't noticed that there is empty ground. There's just emptiness below them. And if they look down, and like, if you fall want a perfect completely. example of how like fucked this situation is, like if you were watching the stocks, like we do, because we are like massive econ nerds who have no fucking life. Um, it, like, like, but Tell if you were like the fucking like, but like if you were watching the stocks, Trump was doing his whole trade war shit. The day before, all the business news was like, stocks are down because Donald Trump is probably going to start a trade war. And then if you watched the indices while he was talking, while he was saying, I'm going to fuck Hong Kong up the ass. I'm not going to ask for lube and my, like, fucking condoms made of sandpaper. I am going to wreck the American-China trade and destroy the global economy. And as this is happening, the stocks are going up. Like, are they fucking... Like, I think that answers beyond all doubt, especially because they don't seem to be reacting to this Fed news yet, that we know for a fact what the drug of choice is on Wall Street now. It's not cocaine, it's not quaaludes, it's not heroin, it's glue. It's numbers. It's literal fucking number. They are worshipping Malek and throwing sacrifices and burning sacrifices, child sacrifices at that to Malek. And I don't joke when I say child sacrifices because these are the same fucking people who've been involved with a literal fucking pedophile sex slavery. Yeah, these people oh. are, these are the people that are saying go out and die for numbers, so <laughs> fuck them. And there's a specific reason why the money printer is running out of ink. It's a really bad one. So, yeah, so basically... Uh, if we want to imagine what has been financial goals for the U.S. government Since like and for years and years, so like nineteen forty Treasury like, bonds. U.S. T bills have been yeah the thing that makes global finance go around. It has. There's never been any he, question that like if you went to an investment advisor from nineteen forty five until like. I don't know, May 25th, 2020, they would have said buy T-bills if you want to save asset. Full stop. Without hesitation, yeah. they wouldn't think. The, the T-bills have been the foundation of our financial economy for decades and decades, but because investors are not buying up what has been gold in enough numbers, money printers can't go burr as, you know, as fast as it should be. The, the, floor, the floor has dropped. You've had like you've had people talking about oh you know there's a floor for assets now no the floor is T bills and that t- and that floor and, and is give some extra context to this like and, this has been the nightmare scenario of monetary experts and financial people since like 1971 like the nightmare scenario has been what happens if people dump U S Treasuries 
And it looks like it's not so much people are dumping them as people are not buying them. And actually, there also may be a bit of dumping going on, too. I would not be surprised if the lack of purchasing isn't just because people are not buying them, but because people are selling them in sufficient quantities that it is reducing the impact of new purchases. And selling treasury bills is how the U.S. government has been able to make its budget work since 1980. Full stop. All that bloated military budget and shoveling money to the rich Uh... shit has been funded by treasury bills. And treasury bills are now probably not being purchased in sufficient quantities for the U.S. to actually be able to make its, like, fucking Hunter S. Thompson accounting work. The entire foundation of the fucking financial economy is mostly gone. You have international investors who have been, like, taking their money out of the U.S. economy in record numbers because they recognize what's going on. And they don't want to be the ones holding the bag. And the fact that oil is spectacularly committing suicide means one of those big pillars that's held up the value of the dollar has just blown itself to pieces. Because King Bonesaw, well, he's probably Mr. Bonesaw until we confirm the king part, and Vladimir Putin got into a dick measuring contest with sausage grinders over the price of oil. So, yeah. The, the dollar has never been more vulnerable in its entire history as a currency period since, like, the end of the American Civil War. I mean, this is the sort of shit that likely has the, the IMF other, Like, I wouldn't... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Miss Silver. The thing... Okay. Ah. One of the things that I definitely noticed with, you know them being all, oh, nobody's using the Fed Reserve um, facilities, that's a really good thing, is, like, the municipal one they made so much of a big deal about, um, they did reduce that particular facility to 250,000 residents, but that doesn't really solve the problem. And it's a big problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're fine. We're is, totally the fine. dollar is going to be toilet paper pretty quick. Like, sooner or later, you know, me with my size, I'm going to come for dollar. I feel it. And it's terrifying. It's <laughs> utterly terrifying. Like, do you think I want number in the underworld? Nobody wants number in the underworld. Moloch is an utter boy. Nobody wants him at a party. And imagine, like, his whole thing of, like, eating children in public <laughs> is a bit off-putting. It's incredibly yeah. off-putting. Especially when he can't find a lot of children down there, so he starts to eat other people. It's, it's a big mess. Thankfully, we have Cerberus, so... That, that's what we bring out when we have to deal with Mala. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of the underworld, uh, a certain oh, yeah. the underworld is hell. Uh, so, so, hell follows. Hell follows. Be remiss, as we've tinted a bit before, and I'm sure everyone feels like we're dancing around a huge elephant, but here it is. And to open up the pits of hell, we are going to summon our very own Virgil as our guide. Side effects of the tear gas. 
So it seems like yeah. they, that people were very prepared. Hey man, we're behind the line. Okay. Okay, well you keep going and go where you gotta go. And that's fine with us. Um, okay. We got plenty of time here. <gasps> are you okay? I'm getting shot! I'm getting... Kate, Katie, are you okay? Rubber bullets, rubber bullets, it's okay. It's those pepper bullets. It's those pepper are they, bullets. That who are they aiming that at? Nice shooting at the photographer. Like directly at us. Directly Why at are they us. doing that? Who's shooting at our crew? I don't Do they know. they not know that obviously they see the camera? Right. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah. So this is, like, I, I mean, Fuck. anyone who's paid attention to this shit knows that police kind of do this anyway, but they, they're never, like, this blatant. And we should probably talk about where this is coming from, that we're now at the point that we're talking about journalists losing their fucking eyes covering Black Lives Matter protests. Yeah, let's get into the, what the incident is. So, right now, you probably, if you don't know the name George Floyd, then you're either a Nazi or we have no idea how far under that rock you are. But, yeah, police in Minneapolis did a thing that they say is okay for restraining suspects because some. <laughs> okay, let me re- let me rephrase this. They didn't just do a thing. They brutally murdered a black man. They they put their entire you had this officer who put his entire body weight down on with his knee on the neck of George Floyd. Just, this is not just a and thing. And it was over this somebody reporting that somebody somebody nobody in specific, no descriptions whatever in the neighborhood was passing around a fake 20. No, 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 there's information that's come out about that, about who, rep- who, um, called the, who, oh, like, called Karen. the police. Uh, basically, um, it was an Arab Muslim who called the police on George Floyd. Like, apparently Arabic Twitter mm-hmm. has been going, like, utterly, like, batshit crazy about this, and it's about, like, the plague of, like, anti-blackness and Arab communities. Fuck. So, yeah, we basically had a police execution on camera, on dash cam, on someone who posted it on social media cam, on the fucking surveillance camera outside the restaurant where in front of where it happened cam. Like. (laughs) And that's also mentioned that that there might be motive involved with this, because keep in mind that George Floyd and this officer worked security at the same club for years and years and years. And eventually this, like, club, like, changed ownership. I think maybe to the officer. I'd have to look up the information about that. Um, you can always post a link in this here, uh, Doc. But, uh, basically, uh, you know, they knew each other for years and years and years. And I, I have a theory that I think the, that this officer took advantage of a call in order to, like, you know, execute his vendetta against the right, or Regardless of what motive the, you know, basically clear-cut murder on camera, on multiple cameras, like, there's no dispute. This was, he said, I can't breathe, and yeah. the officer applied sufficient force to kill him. Full stop. That's, it's by every single, by all, like, fucking laws that define murder since ever, that's murder. Full stop. That's deliberate killing of another person. Yeah, you can- 
he cried out for his fucking mom. And he made it clear he was dying. fucking dying. It's just... And it's very much worth noting that this cop has killed other people. This guy is a literal serial killer. He's also killer. named other people. <laughs> like, this... This guy has a long-ass rap sheet of doing this exact thing. This guy is a real-life Dexter, except he's not witty and entertaining. He just, you know, is actually a serial killer with a badge. Oh yeah, and VP candidate, possible shortlist, Amy Klobuchar passed on prosecuting him once upon a time. By the way. Well, unfortunately, Claude has been clobbed by all of this. Yeah. Unfortunately for us. That would have been like peak shit lib right there. And so, yeah, so (laughs) the police did a what American fucking pigs do every day. And were caught on multiple cameras doing it. And you had, quite predictably, at this point, for anyone who's been, like, you know, paying attention to anything since Ferguson could tell you, a Black Lives Matter demonstration came out and went, this is fucking bullshit. And the riot cops came out, as you would expect. And the thing that went completely different this time mm-hmm. is usually, like, I've been at a few Black Lives Matter protests, I can't speak for my co-hosts, but usually, like, well, actually, if y'all could jump in on this, like, usually the way it tends to play out at these kind of marches is the riot cops show up, they lay down gas, and they do all kinds of, you know, their usual shooting at the crowd bullshit with, like, a flimsy justification. And the crowd pulls back a bit, finds an alternate route, keeps going, and every time it hits the cops, you're basically playing cat and mouse throughout the whole city, trying not to get kettled the whole time. Uh, That's usually what happens. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been involved with the Black Lives Matter protest, and that's the usual routine. And the thing is, every time we're playing beforehand, before this moment in time that we're in now, it was always cat and mouse. You were always the ones, like, running and marching. But this time around, it's different. They burnt down, like, not just one police station, but two police stations, like, at getting the cops to flee and run out of like South Minneapolis. This is unheard of. This has never and, and happened like, before. This is unprecedented. If you look at the history of riots and like uprisings within our country, police stations have never been burned down before. This is and, and even like saying burned down doesn't even quite capture what happened. It wasn't just that they torched these places, it's they went in, they looted everything of value, and they destroyed anything that wasn't and set these places to light. They basically sacked two police stations. And there's even been reports in Minneapolis of things like people setting up what looks like they're gonna loot like a store or something. The cops show up and then they loot the police car. they also targeted um well target (laughs) can we uh miss silver do you want to get into uh what this target has been used for for years and years in this community yeah sure so the thing you have to remember about minneapolis is that it is the headquarters for Target. 
Uh, they have 11 locations in the area. Um, but this one is special. This is where they test out their loss prevention strategies, um, which is basically how they prevent shoplifters from just lifting all their shit. Um, so it's this basically a surveillance panopticon. And most shoplifters will tell you that Target is one of the harder ones to deal with because they are much better at cultivating that sort of snitch culture. And um, they're much more established at this sort of loss prevention shit than most retailers. Like, even Walmart, most... <laughs> Most of us didn't give a shit um, when I worked there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Target, no. And it's, yeah. Uh, so basically it was like, it was known for being that store where they target you. Um, if you're like remotely quote-unquote, suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, suspicious so. means if you're not white, you're a target. Yeah. And and so they burned it down. Um, well, they partially burned it down. They looted it. Yeah, there were there's still stuff left in there right now, I think, but most of the most of the high value shit was taken, and it's currently a food bank now. Actually, um, I can't speak to what it'll be by the time this episode, um, you know, actually uh, is sent out to all of you, but. Um, that's what it is for now. Yeah, they burned they burned this fucking target down. Oh, like since then, like since the target got torched, you've had just there are community security patrols that have popped up to basically keep Nazis out of their neighborhoods and to watch the cops. You've had like spontaneous like community assemblies and meetings just happening in the absence of the cops being forced to retreat. And you also have shit of like, the cops tooling around and doing nothing about Nazi drive throughs or break-ins. Because, okay, like, there are some fucking fascists running amok, but if you believe the media, then these guys are way more than they actually are. Like, we gotta remember, these guys could barely manage a piss-up in a brewery. There's no fucking way they could actually pull off the pogrom shit they want to do. Um... They don't have the capacity to do it. There's no way that they could do it unless they get, like, literal support from, like, the police and the military. And, like... And they've had trouble... And they have trouble marching in public with guns when the cops are treating them with kid gloves. So, it's not to say they're not out there. There absolutely are reports of them out there, but the extent seems to mostly be exaggerated by the police to justify shooting at random people and tooling around at the National Guard and calling in literal fucking paratroopers. Like, there's been journalist chatter all over the place about the 82nd Airborne, which is, like, you know, an elite combat unit being deployed in full strength to Minneapolis. Like, 
this is and this shit's exploded since then this is at the point that like i'm recording from san francisco i can hear police helicopters and i got an alert today on my phone from london greed saying that there's a curfew in effect from eight like from 5 p.m to 8 a.m there, like every major city at this point is under curfew because there are people that are out fighting the pigs in the street. And this has literally never happened before in American history like this. Yeah, in San Diego, we had a Chase Bank that was burnt down. Um, and we had some nearby, I think it was a Target that it was, no, no, it wasn't a Target. It was a grocery store that got looted. And in Portland, they basically set fires within, like, the Hall of Justice. Uh, they looted the very bougie uh, The Richmond demonstration literally torched the fires of the Confederacy headquarters. Just... There are no words. Just... <laughs> just I just want to enjoy that moment. Oh, can, can we uh, enjoy this moment even further by uh, mentioning that, you know, there's a little bit of a DIY guillotine action that went on with a, with a French monarch? <laughs> this shit is peak 2020. <laughs> this shit is just so, like, yeah, that happened. So in Louisville, Kentucky, where shit's really gone haywire, where there has been a report of a journalist literally getting her eye shot out by a fucking pepper ball at point blank range from a cop even though she had journalist tags and a high-vis vest and all the other things that go, I am a journalist, don't fucking shoot me. Um, Like, where they've shot two protesters. Like, people found a statue of French monarch Louis XVI, chopped its head off, and paraded it through the streets. And the pretender to the Bourbon dynasty got on Twitter to complain about it. Oh, yeah. Louis Twentieth, as he styles himself. Um, it's worth noting that his duchy is fake. There is no Duke of Anjou. There is no uh, ducal title by that name. Um, he is just some loser from a Spanish cadet branch um, who is the great-grandson of Francisco Franco. Yeah. A whiny little piece of shit. A Castilian whiny piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) And there's also been, like, everywhere where there's been mass demonstrations, the cops have been being fucking pigs. They have been firing gas. They have been, without provocation, initiating violence. Like, there's been, like, reporters actually covering this. Like, there's even one that is, like, breaking on Twitter that the Cincinnati police literally pulled down the American flag at the Cincinnati Justice Center and replaced it with the Blue Lives Matter flag. Are you fucking kidding me? This is, like, uh... Oh god, what was the name of that militia in uh, Weimar Germany that basically helped put down... Like the fucking Stahlhelm, I think? One of them. (sighs) I... Of the Freikorps. Yeah, the Freikorps. I mean, this is literal Freikorps shit. 
you've had police who've literally all across the United States broken the, the social peace, and they're basically throwing gasoline on the fire, thinking that, oh, you know, we're going to put this fire out. But no, they're just spraying it, not with water, but with literal gasoline. The situation's only going to destabilize further and open up more cracks and ruptures that the left can take advantage of. Because, I mean, look at, look at the Middle East. Every time that drone strikes have happened, you know, against, like, communities in the Middle East... It only turned the people there further against And we can the see this government. in Egypt, in the run-up to the Egyptian revolution of January 25th, 2011. And for those of you who are listening at home who don't quite remember that one, please brush up on the details of that particular example of popular power, where you had for months clashes between street demonstrators and the police who were an apparatus of Mubarak's like repressive regime and things were increasingly escalated. People would get arrested. People would get brutalized. People would get killed. They would hold new demonstrations. The police would do it again. And then people would demonstrate again. And it just creates this feedback loop that the police in America seem to be absolutely down to pour fuel into. Can we yeah. talk about the fascist death? Oh so, yeah, <laughs> and that's been happening. It's like we've got fascists in Portland. We've got fascist death squads trying to take advantage of this shit to basically go out and shoot black and brown people and shoot those evil lefties. But I mean, they didn't just try; yeah. they did. Like it was, it was, it was not pretty. I mean, I think, I think people escaped, but it was from what we heard from. Uh, from St. Helen, it was absolutely terrifying for the people involved. Oh, yeah. Like, it's still kind of a mess to untangle, but it's like, yeah, I'm more than a little freaked out, especially for our co-host. Oh. Because she went back. Support yeah. our troops. I can't literally support our fucking troops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's our podcast militia, baby. Yeah. And it's <laughs> and we wanna like and this shit that's have and you know, we also know there's a massive overlap between the pigs and Nazis. The FBI has admitted as much. Like we're going to include that link. That's yeah. that, that's called a circle. Um that's literally yeah. just called a circle. It's so <laughs> pretty much. But we also have to. But oh, we also have to... speaking of the police, can we mention that uh, the there was a big leak by anonymous of their e- of their emails and their pass and their oh, passwords. That's a shame. We we may not want to mention that. That might actually get us sued. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, true. Um. Well, and... never mind. Uh, we, I mean, we can mention that it happened. Um, yeah, we just we can't, can't link to it. Like, we can yeah. just say that the information's out there, but we can't exactly. specifically get it to you. Yeah, look, it's not that hard to find, but obviously, for legal reasons, yeah. we're not going to link that shit. You, you've got 
It's Jack, pretty Jack, easy go. to find cool. out. You gotta You just riser. have to know where to look. If you don't, you should. <laughs> And, and I, I mean, there's been all sorts of little solidarity actions and some pretty interesting stuff that's come out. Um, like in Chicago, they've been uh, jamming the the police chatter um, off and on with uh, stolen radios. Um, the admittedly. The Fash did it once, but we did it several times as well. Um, and um, in Dallas, um, Dallas has a video snitch app. And um, now K-pop Twitter originally, went, they were some of the first people to start doxing some of the Minneapolis thugs you know, the cops. Um, and they stepped up again uh, by flooding... <laughs> they flooded the Snitch app with fan cams. Oh my god. What kind of meme economy are we living in right now? Like, really? <laughs> we literally had brass come out in support of the protest. We've got recently. like bus drivers in Minneapolis yeah. and now in New York City who are refusing to haul arrested people for the cops. Like their unions have officially released statements saying, fuck yeah. you, we're not doing that, but in more polite, you know, labor skate language. I mean, the fact that the unions aren't are supporting this is an, is an incredible sign that's like if we want if we want to win this struggle that is unfolding before our eyes, we need to have the unions right behind us. And I'm not talking about the bureaucratic leadership. I'm talking about the rank and file because these people are the core of the labor movement that has been growing in this explosive strike wave that we've seen uh, that we've seen all around the United States. You know, if we if we can connect enough with labor, if we can organize with unions. If we can organize general strike, we like we've talked about earlier how financially weak the Amer the federal American government is right now, and where the financial economy is. A general strike would literally cripple their asses. Yeah, and it's that's part yeah. of what didn't get in the media very much about the Egyptian Revolution. Is part of it was workers going out on strike it was port workers in damietta and alexandria and uh, like canal workers in the suez as much as it was people uh like storming tahrir square in cairo like it was a combination of everything going on strike it was the people going on strike from being consumers it was the workers going on strike from being cogs in the machine it was everything everyone saying we're not doing this anymore we are the ones who actually have the power and we're exercising it. And I mean, and that's the stuff that like, as much as that's what we need to aim for, we got to remember there's also that stupid as fuck outside agitators, regular as clockwork bullshit that is coming out of the fucking pigs and their tame little mares and prosecutors. Like, 
nothing is a better example of this than in like fucking the mayor of St. Paul is all like, oh yeah, everyone we arrested was totally from out of state. And then some local news stations and the Washington Post were like, um, wait a minute, let's look at this. And they went, oh, um, actually all these protests related arrests were from the Minneapolis metro area, from the Twin Cities area. They're they're trying to divide and conquer, like, the massive, massive protest movement that's going on. But because they're fucking terrified, this movement is multiracial. Like, they're they're dealing with, like, the proletariat uniting as a class. And that is, in the United States, that's unheard of. We haven't seen shit like this for decades and decades. Because, I mean, it makes sense on all levels. You've got Donald Trump and the people in the White House who are doing that whole Antifa are now a terrorist organization, and it's all the fault of them and left-wing anarchist shit. Um, By the way, we're all Antifa. How you doing? Um, As are many other people as well. As are, like, anyone who thinks (laughs) Nazis suck. Um, So good luck with that. Um, Let's fucking play. But you've also got, like, it's self-serving on multiple levels, because for Trump, it allows him to deflect from that. He's completely fucked up from, by any low-level standard of any U.S. president, he has completely fucked up. He's even completely fucked up in smashing this by main force. Fucked up. He is just fucked up. So he's trying to distract from people. It makes sense why the... And the thing is, by putting uh, anti-fascists on, like, you know, making them terrorists. What this essentially means is like making this the big target is, you know, when you're going to be dealing with people like facing more and more suppression from the state and like, you know, lashing back at the state as a result, you're going to have more and more people driven to anti-fascism. I mean, just look at what Mm -hmm. in the Middle East, we've seen examples of like drone strikes that I mentioned earlier. It like, it only like causes like people to, hate the U.S. government even more, so by making Antifa the enemy, it only makes the en- their enemy stronger. And, and it makes us stronger. we want to emphasize for any of the shit libs or centrists, or, you know, well-intentioned liberals who may have somehow accidentally stumbled on this podcast, that whole poem about I didn't speak up when they came for the communists and all that, that's happening. That's happening right now. He's not going to stop. And there's this little thing called... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there is this thing for all you fucking shitlips out there who think like, oh, this is so bad. They're looting, destroying things. You know, we have a fascist government and in the Declaration of Independence, the document that a lot of you seem to like, you know, there's this little paragraph that I think you all should be more familiar with. That to secure these rights... Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And according, all experiences have shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer, while evils are sufferable, 
than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their fucking duty, to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. And, and this is the president who is literally sicking soldiers armed with lethal weapons on American citizens. This is the guy who has allowed two Vietnams worth of people to die in six months because he was a dumbass about COVID-19. This is the guy who has looted the public treasury, who has consistently lied at every single opportunity. By your fucking standards, you should be dragging him into the streets and chopping his head off! Yeah, and if you want to look at a, a list of reasons that our family fathers decided to tell fuck off to the King George, we have a bigger fucking list in regards to the fucking Trump administration and the fascist regime of chuds and shitlibs. And remember, it is we gotta yeah. also, when the dust settles from this, we gotta make sure the shitlibs do not stay anywhere near the levers of power. They helped create the trade war with China when anti-fascists were slugging out in the street in 2017 with the alt-right. They were talking about joining in on the criminalization train. Like, we need to, if, like, if there's, like, there's any like shit brain... who jump off the fence... And they're well-meaning liberals and everybody else. You know what? Mm -hmm. If y'all jump off the fence and you get down in the street and join the fight and listen to the people who are leading that fight and do what they need you to do then good but you know if you're like a member of congress or something you know that'd be nice but don't expect that you're gonna get yeah like don't expect that you're going to get like you know, better treatment than any of the other members of your chamber. And, it, yeah. and the thing that we have to know here is if by some fucking miracle uh, the Trump administration manages to crush the anti-fascist movement, they're going to come for you fucking liberals next. They're going to crush, they're going to come for each and one of the, of the groups that they consider enemies until they're the kings of the burnt hill. Yeah. It's fight now or fall forever. Yeah. Pick one. And personally, I like the one that doesn't involve, you know, us falling forever. Yeah. I realize this episode of ours has been a little disjointed, but... It's it's big. We could we could spend hours rehashing all of this. And I mean a lot of you are already fairly familiar with um with this stuff. Um so um but I guess y'all wanted our take. And that's, you know that's there's it. also the other shit that may have fallen under the radar. There's the shit, like, the Federal Reserve is broke. 
Oh yeah. China is is going to be at trade war with the United States. The global economy is collapsing. Like, we don't even have time in this episode to talk about the disaster forecast for the summer, which is, like, downright biblical. Yeah, we're... It's incredibly biblical. We're dealing with this, with all these disasters right now, and we have the boot of, of the fascists coming down on us. And yes, it is terrifying. It is horrifying. You know, to be at a protest when you're dealing with tear gas, with rubber bullets, with, like, pepper spray, anything mm-hmm. that they're going to throw at you, there's no glory in it. If you win, it's good, but it's, it can be a traumatic experience, and I'm not going to pussyfoot around that. But do keep in mind that this, well, what we're fighting is a paper tiger. In Minneapolis, as we mentioned earlier... They looted the shit out of police stations and burnt them they down. They couldn't even stand up you to know, the fucking chuds. Yeah. This is a paper tiger. We could easily take They couldn't down. stand up to the chuds exactly. in Minnesota. In short... They couldn't even fight them. Yeah, but... exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, uh, we're going to hear, and I know you're going to be hearing from shit libs about how it's outside agitators, even though there's no evidence for it. And the Washington Post, of all people, said that's bullshit. The Washington Post, owned by Jeff Bezos, said outside agitators in Minneapolis is bullshit. But then you have the really, really peak brainworm shit lib stuff of saying it's a Russian conspiracy. Fuck that shit. Time to go Egypt. It's time to go Egypt. Fuck oh, that shit. What's next? So speaking of going Egypt, what's next? Get people in the street. Get your unions off the job. Get people to walk out and shut down business as usual. Fuck it. They can't shoot us all. They can't silence us all. They're going to come for you anyway. So now is the time. If you're sitting, if you have been sitting around, like, fapping off to what you might have done during the civil rights movement or when Hitler came to power in Germany, you know what? Now's the time. Get off your fucking couch. And if you've been in the fight, well, good. Just, you know, please don't do anything stupid. We love you. Yeah. And please, please set up Soviets. Please set up workers' councils. The only way that we're going to win this is with organization, with a dual power scenario. But that re- but that requires people to organize together yeah. to do those things. Like, if you were involved in Occupy, remember the shit that worked right in the General Assemblies, and remember the shit that worked wrong. Make sure the shit that worked wrong doesn't happen again. And do the shit that worked right. Like, 2011 was our dress rehearsal. Yeah, we need to be setting up general assemblies again. Now's the show. Yeah. (laughs) Play ball. So, to close this one out, we are, like, absolutely flattered and honored to have the permission from an amazing anarchist black metal band, and that is a thing, based out of the north of England, you may have heard of, called Dawn Raid. And these are like, they'll go before music journals and talk about like starting anarchist revolution and destroying capital in the state kind of anarchists. Like, watching these guys live in Edinburgh was the last time I tripped balls without psychedelics. So... 
they've got a particular track that they have very graciously allowed us to use. And we're going to close out with that. So enjoy a little bit of that anarchist black metal as you go out and burn down this rotten mess. This has been Chop Shop Economics. Bye, everybody. Bye. This shit so you don't have to.
be defeated and still